Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 716 Hawaii. I am joined by Brandon Deutsch. Brandon, how are we doing, my friend? Man, I'm doing great. It's a great day. We got the NBA Finals today, which is going to be very fun. I mean, by the time some of you listen to this, it might be almost over. But, um, you know, Game 3, 80% of uh, whoever wins Game 3 wins the series. So, going to be super exciting. Um, I still don't think, you know, people are going to overreact regardless of the outcome. Like, if Denver loses, people are going to be like, oh, is Denver done? Like, no, they're absolutely not done. Um, and just a lot messy to, to the MLS. I mean, possibly, not possibly, the biggest get in MLS history, the best player in the world, unprecedented, coming to play in the MLS. Still is. Just led Argentina to the World Cup. He's the best player in the world, in my personal opinion. My Miami team is not that good, but, um, you know, they have Messi now. So, uh, and the crazy thing is, is the deal. He got part of some Apple um shares because of the networking uh the network uh the media rights between the mls and apple and then you got some of the mls holdings as well like ownership which is like crazy i've never seen anything like that but to pull him away to pry him away from saudi arabia by the way just paid kareem benzema what like 660 million dollars or something crazy like that who just won the balloon door um you know, as the best quote unquote in the world, though, I still think it's messy, um, which is crazy. They pulled him away. And, you know, he he owns a lot of property in Miami. A lot of people don't realize this. He owns this big complex, 60 million plus dollar, um, you know, that he leases out and, and stays in sometime penthouse uh, in Miami. So he's there a lot. So this makes sense. Here's the beauty of it. You are getting in their prime, or at least very close to it, the best soccer player in the world. You know, when they've gotten some other players, whether it's Zlatan, whether it's David Beckham, these are guys who are very good, not generally thought of as the Michael Jordan of their sport. As you just mentioned, Lionel Messi had his high watermark moment of his career winning the World Cup and these iconic pictures of him being held up and holding the World Cup trophy. And, and, and you know that team quite well. Again, your girlfriend is Argentinian. So you know how big of a moment this is. And really, Miami, South Florida, the center of the sports world, you know, we'll see how their teams do with the Florida Panthers in the Stanley Cup final, the Miami Heat and the NBA finals, and Lionel Messi joining Talk about that. How amazing is this moment for South Florida? It's not just amazing for South Florida. It's amazing for the MLS because, like you mentioned, a lot of the guys, Laton, you know, uh, even Chicharino, who's been good for uh, uh, you know for the LA team, like he's been great. 
but he's relatively older, even though he's turned around his career. A lot of these guys come when they're quote unquote washed as a term we used in the NBA a lot, like Dwight Howard, like send him to Taiwan type stuff. But <laughs> it's a joke. I mean, they're still great players, but uh, and they still dominate the MLS because, you know, unfortunately, as it is growing and it's getting more talented, there's no denying that. It's not the Premier League, you know, I mean, guys can dominate at 38 that played in the Premier League at 32. You know, I mean, it's just something that so messy, a guy this good, still in his the end of his prime coming to the MLS, even on a bad team in, in Miami until Miami. It's like, could he score all like 100 goals? Like, it's crazy. Like, he's going to absolutely dominate the competition, uh, even with nobody else on his team, unless they just triple team him and then other guys need to score. But then he'll get a ton of assists. In South Florida, I mean, uh, crazy. Panthers, I know it's, you know, people are like, oh, series is over. I think they'll still get a game or two. Um, You know, they have grit. They're similar to the other Miami team, which is the Heat in the finals. Just a lot going on. A lot of people moving to Miami, you know, obviously the no no, uh, state, state tax or whatever in Florida. A lot of people love that place. So is it state or income tax in Florida? I think it's state, but that's a good point. I mean, same with Las Vegas and Nevada. Yeah. You know, a lot happening there. Texas as well. Um, okay, moving on to the NBA Finals. There's, there's a lot of thought, you know, when a series is tied 1-1, you know, how significant is Game 3 to which team? With the Heat, really, I mean, uh, I don't want to say a must-win game, but here's what happens. If Denver wins game three, they've reclaimed home court advantage. Now they're kind of in a situation where they, if they can win two straight in Miami, they can close out the series in five. Um, I, I, I like the Heat in this game. I do think it's a more important game for the Heat. When you look at this, who needs to win this game three? Who needs or who? Uh, I think I think the Heat would benefit much more, like you said, from winning Game Three. I think if Denver loses Game Three, I mean, it doesn't matter to them, right? Because they're going to have still two more games at home. Um, you know, plus they would just need to win Game Four and then win Game Five and then come back and win Game Seven, right? Even if they lose Game Six. For the Heat, it's a little different because you have momentum and you don't want to give back the momentum to a Denver team that once they got momentum steamrolled the Lakers, right? Once they got momentum, steamrolled the Suns. They are the better basketball team, right? They have more talent. I don't think anybody's denying that. But do they have the grit, the moxie? I mean, we talked about this yesterday. I talked about it with GA and and you on Monday, Rosh. It's like, who's their other perimeter defender that they're going to put on, you know, Jimmy Butler, right? Because you can't put Gordon on Butler most of the game or KCP and then, they're they're uh, exhausted offensively. Denver needs to get into a rhythm offensively, and they're going to need to play defense to beat this Miami team because Miami's going to run and gun and try and shoot forty percent from three. They're going to shoot like Gabe Vincent four, five, six threes, Drew seven threes, Martin will have two or three threes, Robinson will shoot like six threes. Right, that's their game. So as long as they can really, Jokic is going to pass much more today. He's going to try. He's going to attempt to get others open and pass up very easy shots because that's the only way Denver wins this game. I'm going to say Denver's going to win this game tonight. I think it's going to be by about five points. Um, I I just, I I like the Heat's momentum. They figured out something, but, you know, Mike Malone is no slouch as a coach either. He's a great coach. I mean, even though he complains about the Lakers probably a little too much, like he has some personal vendetta against them. Um, I mean, right. I mean, the Lakers own them. the media. Lakers run basketball. Like everyone talks about the Lakers. So it makes sense that a smaller market, even though Denver is a big city, 
would get fr- flustered and frustrated by that. But uh, Brandon, do you agree with the strategy? And it, listen, I know Spolstra, whether for Ramona, it was a very fair question. I, I do think when you look at the stats, the Joker, when he scores over 40 points, Denver is 0 for 3. They've made him into a score. They've made him into a score. And they said, listen, we're going to stop Jamal Murray. We're going to stop Aaron Gordon. We're going to stop KCP and everyone else. By the way, I don't think it's a good look that those guys didn't talk to the media following game two. Do you agree with the strategy and do you believe it is sustainable? Well, first off, I think just like you're getting paid millions of dollars to play basketball. I know it's a big moment. Even if you're frustrated, you always have to talk to the media. That's first and foremost. The most, the biggest professionals in the history of every sport, regardless of what happens, talk to the media after the game. Regardless, that's first and foremost. That's just an obligation. That's the least you could do making 20 plus million dollars or even $1 million, right? Like, or even 500K, least you could do. Um, Cause we're, you know, we're trying to do our job. Second thing, um, you know, it's a fair point because they are 0-3 when Jokic scores 40-plus, and it's not because Jokic is bad. It's because they limit his passing. So Michael Porter Jr. couldn't get into a rhythm. He had 1-3. This is Michael Porter Jr. we're talking about, a guy who's about 82% EFG percentage on catch-and-shoot threes. He was bad last game. That I don't expect that to stay. I mean, he's going to hit three threes today probably. Jamal Murray, they took away, and they were forcing Jokic to score, and guys couldn't get into a rhythm behind the arc, and Miami just out, outshot them beyond, beyond the arc, and that's how they won, and that's how they're going to try and win today. So Jokic is going to get easy buckets, and sure, he can take them early on, but when it gets... Well, I, I expect what him to, what he's going to do early on is fake a bunch of moves and get guys open in the corner early, because I do think it's going to be similar to game one where he'll try and limit his scoring in the first quarter and try and get others open, even if he's got easy shots. Because that's the only way Denver's going to be able to lead in this game and win. If Jokic scores 40-plus points, they can win, but it's less likely, right? Because then other guys can't get into a rhythm. So, Listen, here's, here's the thing about this series. I am fascinated by the adjustments because, again, a lot of talk about Spo, and again, I think he's the best coach in the league right now. Michael Malone is right there with him. I, I think, you know, when, 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 when you look at the job he's done with Denver, he's a fantastic coach. I do agree with you. It's like, move on from the Lakers. We get it. LeBron gets more attention. But, uh, but yeah, you got to move on at some point. Brandon, let's talk a little baseball. You'll be at the ballpark tonight. Again, Hawaii Sports Radio is the home of the Angels. Talk about this team again. You follow them very closely over the years. They have two of the best players of all time. I mean, generational talents. What do you think about this team right now? And what do they have to do? Again, they won last night against the Cubs. What do they have to do to kind of turn things around here? Well, they have about 16 or 17 comeback wins this season, which is pretty crazy. Um, it's something that was really not characteristic of previous Angel teams. They have a little bit of moxie. Now, it's very hard to make the playoffs in the AL because of the AL East teams and because of the Astros and Rangers, who neither of which the Angels are going to catch probably. So what's going to have to happen for them to make the playoffs? And they are an above-average team. They're not an elite team. They have a lot of flaws. Uh, they have two or three good relievers. The rest are not that good. Um, they have four starters that have been pitching well, but Tyler Anderson, they finally won a game with him on the mound, which was good. Detmers isn't pitching well. Their lineup goes through lulls similar to the Dodgers lineup, despite them having super talented guys. 
Um, they're a very good team, I, I think, but I don't, are they're a good team, but they're not like an elite team, if that makes sense. They're going to win 80 to 85 games, most likely. Now, they, that's not saying they're, they're not going to go on a run. It could very well happen where they get to 92 or 93 games and possibly slip into that last wild card spot. But the Rangers are another animal right now. They've never been able to beat Houston. Um, they have an easy schedule coming up, Arash. They got the Cubs. They got Seattle, who they need to beat. Uh, it's an in-division matchup. They got a couple, uh, you know, 16 out of their next 25 games are against teams below 500. So they kind of need to capitalize on that. They're two games over entering tonight. I expect them to win tonight and be three games over. Like I said at the beginning of the week, they're at least going to win two out of three, both of these series, I think. Houston's their kryptonite, right? They've yeah. never been able to beat Houston, but this is a this is a good baseball team. It has some flaws, but to keep Shohei Otani, they need to make the playoffs. If they don't, he is gone straight up. So they need to start winning some games at Roger. Brendan, you just recently posted your uh, big 60, your top 60 player at Baller Sports Dialogue. You get amazing uh, Substack site, podcast as well. Um, listen, we know the uh, top two names, and you could touch on them if you'd like. Who are some other names? Again, we, you know, we 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 know who the top pick is going to be. We're ninety nine point nine percent sure who the number two pick is going to be. Who are some other names out there that you really like in this draft? Well, there's been a new report actually, Arash, that the Hornets could select Brandon Miller second overall instead of Scoot Henderson, which would be a colossal failure. Um, the best player of all time. There's the joke. One of the worst owners in sports, right? I mean, I don't know if he's in charge. I know Cup checks probably there. And I like cup check. He did a decent job with the Lakers, but uh, no, and Michael Jordan's a great, a great, great owner. Uh, I don't, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going off there, but Brandon Miller would be a huge mistake. At he's two, not, and I like a, him. he's not, not a great GM though. You're not wrong there. I mean, when you look at who he's selected over the years, <laughs> Kwame Brown is like the number one kind of example of that. But I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be mean to the, to the goat, uh, him and LeBron, but um, you know, yeah, he's not the best, president of operations let's just say i mean Lamelo ball fell to his lap his other picks over the past 15 years these are just facts by the way we're, we're abysmal um i'll say this brandon miller's good he should not be considered the second overall pick we know like you mentioned scoot and wemby are both going to be superstars in the nba brandon miller is like a paul george paul george light he, his ceiling's top 25 player in the nba when he plays I really like Taylor Hendricks. I don't think he's getting enough love from UCF. He fits the modern three and D at the four. He's a stretch four. He can play defense two blocks per game, um, shoots threes. I think Detroit's going to be looking at him at five. Cam Whitmore is really good, but I like the depth of this draft, the rush. I think if you go into the late first round, you get guys like, you know, Derek Lively, who the Lakers will be looking at with the 17th overall pick. He's a clutch guy. Elite defender. I know the Lakers have been wanting another big to pair alongside Anthony Davis. Could be the guy with some upside. A lot of shooting. Julian Strother, your boy from Las Vegas, uh, you know, went to Gonzaga, hit the big time shot. You were there. He might be available in the second round. And that's a guy who's a lock it in like eight point per game score. If you give him minutes and 38% from three, uh, there's just so many guys. Brandon Podiazemski from Santa Clara. A lot of people are sleeping on like a Luke Kennard plus. A lot of upside, a lot of depth, you know, Kobe Bufkin, uh, Jet Jet Howard, and just at the top of the draft, it's so balanced. Obviously, the first two, and then there's a huge drop-off to three, and then there's a bigger drop-off to four. I don't love Eamon Thompson, though. He'll probably go four to the Rockets. But Arash, one of the better drafts we've seen in recent memory, 
Next year's not going to be a great draft. So I think we got to enjoy this as evaluators and as fans of the NBA because Summer League is going to be great this year. Yeah, can't wait to go back to Summer League. We were there last year. We'll, we'll have a bigger presence this year as well. But Brandon, one of the interesting things is I know the Bus family takes a lot of heat. You know, Jeannie as the head of the organization, you know, Joey, Jesse, whatnot. That scouting department, again, when you look at a couple of things, A, Listen, they, they've, they've, they've hit on all their top picks, but bigger than that, their late first round picks, their second round picks, and even more than that, Brandon, the undrafted players. Look at Austin Reeves. I mean, this is why this is one of those drafts. When you talk about a deep draft, what this team could, could, could potentially do with the 17th pick, with the second round pick, which they can buy. Or, or you know, they have, I, they have one. They it's have, 47. Have one. Okay, yeah. so they they have two picks, and then more than that, Brandon, the undrafted guys that they've that they've targeted and that they've contacted late in the draft and say, hey, look at our track record. Look at what you can go again. The marquee name there is Austin Reeves is in line to get close to, if not a $100 million contract. Talk about the job that they've done, again, late first round, second round, and the undrafted players as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, they've been done an excellent job. I think the first and foremost thing is undrafted players. They are a big brand name, so a lot of players want to go play for them. If they go undrafted, they want to say, okay, I, I see myself in a Lakers uniform. Let's make it happen. They have a track record. Austin Reeves you know, uh, other guys that have been great for them. Max Christie too. I, I, Arash, I, I know, you know, we're going to be doing some more South Bay Lakers stuff, but he averaged like 20 points per game at South Bay Lakers. Um, you know, he proved to be a good perimeter defender, good shot creator at the NBA level. He's going to take a big leap next season. That was an excellent pick. Um, you just go down the list, Arash. It's crazy. Uh, Kuzma was a great pick. I mean, they traded him. I know Ingram, great pick. Like, especially in this, uh, the second round, Clarkson, you know, the year they took Clarkson was a great, great draft pick. So I have full confidence that they're going to make the right selection. 17 is the best pick they've had since they were really bad, right, Arash? So this is, this is, this is their, their chance to really add an impact player and bridge the gap. Somebody that can help win a championship next year, which is probably the final year of the window of the Davis LeBron years. And someone who can really take that the next generation of, you know, Lakers great mantle and can like be a at least a great role player for years to come. What can the Clippers potentially do? Again, they've changed up their front office somewhat. Trent Redden gets promoted to GM, Michael Winger going off to Washington. I know Bob Myers has been talked about. My guess, and I have no like inside knowledge here, is it it sounded at his press conference he wants to take some time off. And listen, if you can collect a paycheck doing TV and, and again, relax, unwind, recharge the batteries. Uh, that being said, again, Steve, Steve Ballmer will no doubt try to come in with a blank check and um, and try to uh, um, just say, hey, listen, we can give you the reins and you will be. I mean, if, if a GM comes in and gets the Clippers to a championship, uh, you know that that would be incre- incredible. What do the what, what do the Clippers have to do, and what can they do in this uh, draft? Yeah, so they have the, the last pick of the first round. Um, they gave away one of their picks to I think Houston as a part of the Eric Gordon, Luke Kennard, like one of those one of those uh, trades. Um, so they have the thirtieth overall pick again. Deep draft. Uh, I like Jason Preston a lot. They don't play him. I think he's going to have to take a bigger role next season. He was great in uh, for the Ontario Clippers. 
Brandon Boston Jr. I think they got to start bridging the gap, Arash. They got to start having guys come in that are young and can at least show they have value, even if they're going to trade them and don't need them, right? So they can do a lot in this draft, but I think a lot of it's going to be internal development, Arash. You can't, guys like Marcus Morris need to stop playing. They need to start, you know, younger guys coming up, playing alongside Kawhi and Paul George if they're ever healthy. Um, but you know, I, I do think they're going to select a big with the 30th overall pick. They need another big, uh, Hartenstein losing him to the Knicks showed, uh, they were exploited when Zubach wasn't on the floor. Plumlee, they're not going to be able to resign. I do think they're going to go after one of, one of the big prospects in this draft, maybe a Trace Jackson, uh, Trace Davis Jackson or Jackson Davis. I forgot his name from Indiana, kind of a stretch five, John Collins type lob, lob guy. Uh, they have a lot of options, so I, I have full confidence in them making the correct pick, but it's all about health with them. Yeah, I mean, no no doubt about it. With, with the Clippers, it's one of those situations that if they can be healthy in the postseason, again, the only time that they were healthy, 2020, in the bubble in Florida, a lot of stuff happening there. Don't want to use that as an excuse, by the way. I mean, they had a 3-1 series lead against Denver, couldn't close out, robbed us, by the way, Brandon, of course, of, of the first ever Lakers-Clippers matchup in the postseason, did not get that, but uh, but... Following that, 2021, Kawhi goes down. 2022, Kawhi's out. Paul George goes down in the uh, play-in tournament. 2023, as we know, Kawhi out following game one. And Paul George, I mean, it, it's if they can stay healthy, they have a chance. But I, I just don't know if they can do that. Uh, it'll be a, source, a subject for our next guest. So let's leave it there for now. When we come back, our good friend Grant Mona. We'll come on and talk a little bit about the Lakers, the Clippers. But uh, listen, a lot happening in South Florida. So we'll talk about that when we come back right here. On the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. nothing more valuable it's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline right now and join our good friend of the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona. Great job, as always, on your three takeaways. I need your takeaway on this, Grant. We normally don't talk about soccer. Uh, Lionel Messi. Messi joins Major League Soccer Coming, by the way, if Miami needed anything else happening right now, the Miami Heat are in the NBA Finals, the Florida Panthers are in the Stanley Cup Final, and now the greatest soccer player in the world 
close to his prime. Again, he just won the World Cup. I mean, if you were to say who's the best soccer player in the world, like I'm putting him right up at the top of the list. How significant is this moment in heading into the World Cup coming here in 2026? How can this, again, we've talked about this for years, can soccer become one of the most popular sports here? How does this change things? Yeah, this is this is a major move. I, I don't. I think a lot of soccer fans in Europe are, are kind of disappointed that we don't get to see Ronaldo and Messi in Europe anymore. But if you're an American, this is incredibly significant. Um, you know, Messi coming to the U.S. to play, I think, is the biggest you know headline here. I don't think it's the MLS. I know the MLS needs as many stars and as much you know attention as possible, but. I do think that Messi coming to the United States and playing here full time is the biggest part of this. Um, you know, you get to see him in different countries. It's like LeBron if he were to go play in another country for a year or however long Messi's contract is. I'm not sure of the details, but it's it's like if you take one of the NBA's biggest stars and go play a, a full year in say China. I know we'd make a lot of fun about <laughs> China, but it's basically what it would be. Or him going to Spain, something like that. This is significant for the MLS, um, especially like you said, going into the World Cup, and he he's just coming off of a World Cup victory and where he performed like the best player in the world. So. Brandon, I know that you have a lot of thoughts about this too, but for me, this is insanely significant moving forward because you get a, a player of his status coming to a, a league that needs star stardom and needs viewership in, in, in this market. I just I was just wondering what you thought of it because I know that for me, it's huge to progress this game in America. Absolutely. I mean, you hit it right on the money. Something I'll add, uh, what I said in the first segment was, you know, he owns a lot of property in Miami. He has that penthouse that, that uh, you know, he owns a lot of this high rise in South Beach that he, you know, leases out a lot, sometimes stays in. So he's not a stranger to Miami. Um, another thing is Copa America going to be going to be in, uh, you know, the U.S. part of it. Right. And of course, what else is going to be in the U.S.? The World Cup, right? So <laughs> this is the move. You knew he was going to chill in the United States because it's going to be the apparatus and the basically the the focal point of of soccer these next couple of years. You know, I know it's not extremely big in America yet, but it's progressing. We see the fan bases. Arash has seen the analytics about you know LAFC's growing fan base. You know, we all have what what's happened with the Galaxy over the past decade. You know, new teams, uh, you know, even Angel City FC, a lot, a lot of it. It's just, it's growing. It's growing. Um, a lot of people love soccer. But again, remember, this is the first guy that's actually the best player in the world in his prime, at the end of his prime, that's coming to play in the MLS. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, usually, usually they're past their prime. The waft is what I said. It's like going to China. Like, I made the same exact, it's hilarious because I made the same exact, uh, <laughs> Uh, comparison in seg one i said it's like the white howard going to taiwan you know he's a hall of famer but like that's kind of what coming to the mls has been but maybe this is a trend where if you know you give someone enough money maybe ronaldo you know i know he has that saudi arabia deal um that he might take but and benzema just took that but guys like that this is unprecedented this is revolutionary moving forward the mls i think it's important for the mls but of course america moving the sport forward you're absolutely right you hit it right on the money well but grant Go ahead. I was going to ask you a question. We may have the same question is that, you know, like Arash said to begin this, 
Miami is kind of like the center point of sports right now. I know, and not to mention, the Miami Marlins are actually doing extremely well right now. People are kind of forgetting about that. They're like three games out of first place. The Heat are in the finals. The Panthers are in the Stanley Cup. You know, Messi, Messi himself just went to a Miami MLS team. Like, what are your thoughts about Miami kind of being, you know, last, you know, a couple of years ago it was Tampa. Now it's Miami. What do you, what do you think about that? You know, and it's Los it's Angeles some years, some years, um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's crazy. I, I, I can't put it into words. I mean, the heat, just the culture that the heat have, I think is rubbed off on everybody. It's just like a grit grind, you know, live lavish, but work hard kind of culture there in Miami. Um, and I, look, it's great. People love Florida. No, no state tax. A lot of people move there. It's beautiful. It's humid, but it's beautiful, um, and it's it's great for the sports world. I mean, Miami's a great sports city, so I love it. But I wanted to ask you, because I know you wrote that article about the Dodgers, great article on the Tribune about their bullpen, and I never thought I'd find a team with the worst bullpen than the Angels. And it's crazy, because the Angels have actually three elite relievers this year, which is unprecedented for an Angels team since they had years ago. You remember Frieri when he was yeah. like actually good, like when he had like 40 saves in 2015 when the Angels were actually good. Um, you know, no offense to the Angels. They're a little, this is the best Angels team since they, since the year they made the playoffs in 2014. No denying that. But uh, Dodgers bullpen, man, Ferguson just is supposed to be like their best, one of their best guys, right? Besides Phillips comes in and walks three. I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen anything like that. You'd think the very least, I know don't throw it right down the middle, but throw some strikes, man. You lost the game on walks. Yeah, and, and for the Dodgers, you know, I, I've said, you know, before the season that I thought that they would be an 85 win team. They're actually exceeding some of my expectations with how well they're doing up until this point. I know they're on a three game losing streak, but, and I know they've, you know, lost series to good teams. But in terms of, if you look at their record, they're among the best in the NL. But then you look at their bullpen and you're like, how are they the best? <laughs> some of the best in the NL. The half of the offense is not doing well. You know, I mean, me and you have talked about this a lot is, you know, half of their offense is hitting under 250. You know, Max Muncy, yes, he, he's a power threat, but his average is way down. His on-base percentage is up, which I'll give him credit for. Um, J.D. Martinez has been a revelation. He had another home run last night. Freddie Freeman hit a grand slam last night. He looks like an MVP candidate, but I know Luisa Arise is doing so well in Miami that it's probably going <laughs> to be him. Um, it should be but, him. Should be him. Yeah, it should be him. But if you're looking at the bullpen alone, I just want to focus on that. Is if there's not a, I mentioned this in the article, is that I, if there's not a deadline move for this team or at least a, a series of moves to improve that bullpen, they are not going to improve. They're not going to have success down the stretch. And, you know, that's what I, I saw last night. That's what I've seen last week. That's what I saw against the Yankees. That's what I saw in the beginning of the season. It hasn't really improved that much. You could say, oh, it's still early in the season. It's June. We're a month away from the trade deadline, and the Dodgers have not done anything, you know, call-up-wise even, to shore up that pen, and that's a big issue. Bullpens are incredibly important in the playoffs. We saw it last year with the Padres. They had they had Hader at the back of the pen. Uh, the Phillies had an excellent pen. They got to, you know, they got to the NLCS in the championship. So, for the Dodgers... Yes, your offense can get along, but if your bullpen is performing at the way they are right now, you're going to need your offense to step up even more. And I think that's a tall task for a Dodger team that already was a little bit behind in terms of offense. Yes, you have Mookie Betts. Yes, you have Freddie Freeman. But 
if your starting pitching has two quality starters, and at this point they do, they have Bobby Miller and Clayton Kershaw, even Julio Urias has not been as good as he was in years past. He's in a contract year, so I expected him to step up. He has not. He's been injured as well. There's a lot, a lot of question marks right now, especially this deep. I know it's not too deep, but deep into the season to where you kind of got to scratch your head and say, okay, what do we do first? Do we well, shore up the pen? Do we get another bat? Yeah. Do we get another yeah. arm? It's just like, yeah. what do we do at this point? I, well, I don't, I don't think they need another bat. I think JD's ascension has been like very it's good. Their lineup's fine. It'll go through lulls. Like you said, like the only guys you're going to be able to rely upon are JD and Freeman. Some nights like Mookie's become home run strikeout or walk, you know, which is kind of crazy for a guy that's five, seven, but he has good power. So, I mean, he's like a 35 home run guy who's hitting, he's going to hit 260, 270, right? Like he's never going to hit 300 again. I think we've grown accustomed to seeing that with Mike Trout too. He's like 40 home runs, you know, and, and stolen bags too. Mike Trout. I don't think Mike same. Trout has a They're stolen like the same. bag. Neither does Mookie. Does Mookie yeah. even have one? No, he he does, but he's not that that running threat that we yeah, saw like with that the Red used Sox. To be. Like that used to. And the same thing's going to happen to Ali De La Cruz the older he gets. He's like the next Trout Mookie, right? Like he's going to hit. His early in his career will be like Acuna, and then later That's in his career praise. he's going. And he's going to stop. I mean, look, you saw him yesterday. I mean, he had yeah. a double, two walks. He was batting fourth in his MLB debut on a team with a good lineup. That's ridiculous. Um, and by the way, I think the first thing, first order of business, you have Nick Frasso, who I played with. Great, great guy. I played great against pitcher. him. I played against um, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's elite. great. <laughs> he's elite. You have him and you have Nick Vestrini, UCLA uh, pitcher, who's really good in the minors. Two guys that are tearing it up. And I know they haven't been to AAA, barely have had time in AA, whatever. But those are two guys that can pitch, and they have good stuff. And stuff we've seen with Bobby Miller, 80 ERA in the minors this year, right? Did that matter? He has a 1 ERA in the big because he has good stuff. And we saw that with G- Gavin Stone. Great ERA in the minors, but his, his, he started walking guys in the bigs. And his whole thing was K-to-walk ratio in the minors, and he got drilled, right? So I think if, like, you're trying to shore up the pen, you got guys you can bring up in, in, in Nestrini – I know you're relying a lot on rookies, but they're not going to win the series this year anyway. So, like, you might as well develop these guys, bring them up, whether they're ready or not, try and win some games, get them experience for that stretch run with possibly Shohei Otani next year, right? Like, that's the whole that's the whole deal, what they want. Am yeah, I wrong, Grant? No, no, you're, you're not wrong, but I think the problem with the Dodgers organization at this point is that they don't call up guys when they need to be called up. And I know, you know, we've seen James Outman being called up. He got called up last year and then they sent him right down after he hit like 700 in the major leagues. And for a team last year that needed offense, he would have been perfect. You know, this year they need all of the reinforcements they can get. Right. So like you said, Nick Frosso has been excellent. Mastrini has been excellent. Um, You know, they have guys that are ready to go. Yeah, Cartaya is, is significantly you... better than Austin Barnes. I'm sorry. I know there's yeah. a lot of connection between the staff and Austin Barnes, but at this point, you got to just put your best guys in there. You got to just, well, just much Cartaya, like the Angels. He can hit dingers. I think we'll see something similar to Francisco Alvarez, right? First couple weeks, he was like, for the Mets, he was struggling, and then he started yeah. hitting like, he had like six dingers in a week, yeah. right? Like he's a 40 home run guy at catcher. I think Cartaya is similar. The only issue is where do you play JD? Do you then play him in left field? 
I guess you that, can that's another field. issue. Yeah, that's another issue that you know if, if you do make a move or you do shuffle the roster around, there's not much flexibility as there was in years past. Like JD Martinez can't really play the field. Chris Taylor, and you can't, can't take hit. him out of the lineup. He, yeah, exactly. You can't take him out of the lineup either. So if you make a move for a bat, which I don't think they will, I think they'll focus on the on the staff. Is where do you put these guys? They don't have a guy like Kike Hernandez that you can just throw it short, left, center, first, whatever. They have Chris Taylor, but he's, you know, Miguel Rojas can't move from short. Um, you know, Miguel Vargas Chris can't Taylor, move from second, really. Chris Taylor's a three-outcome guy, just similar exactly. to Mookie now. He's home run, strikeout, or walk now. It's crazy. I mean, it's exactly. like, and for me, it's like Muncy is batting fourth over J.D. Martinez, which makes no sense. Muncy should be in AAA. I stand by it. I said it last year. He should be in AAA or released because I don't care if you hit 40 home runs. Look at what happened to Reynolds. Remember, uh, what was his name? Uh, was it Mark Josh? Reynolds? Mark Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, he had like 50 diggers, but he would hit yeah. like 200. That's Muncie, dude. Yeah, like, yeah, it is. He's, he's going to hit like 190 and 40 dingers. That's not going to translate to winning. He's going to do more bad than good, right? Oh, and absolutely. For me, for me, if you want to stay in the majors, I don't care what you're hitting, how many dingers. You better hit 240 at least, right? Especially in that lineup, because that's a lineup that... Freeman and JD are the only guys you can rely on it sometimes. And that does not, that's not going to translate to winning long term. And I'm going to make, I'm going to make a connection here about the Dodgers season is it just dawned on me is like, it's kind of like the Rams this year. I feel like the Dodgers season this year is going to be like the Rams this year where it's kind of a transition year. You have a few superstars in the lineup. Like you have Matthew Stafford and Cooper cup. You have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. You're not really expecting to win a title. I don't think Dodger fans expected to win a title this year. I think we all went into this year like, okay, we're going to, it's a transition year to get Otani and then build in 2024. I know you said this a lot. Yes, they are having success, but I just don't see that same dominance that we've seen from the Dodgers in years past to where they could get away with maybe not having a good pen or they could get away with not having a good offense. Um, you know, it's much like the Rams this year. They have to be, it's a fine line. You know, you have to be either really good, and if you teeter off of that line, you're going to go right down to the lottery. So, it, it's it's tough. I, I compare the Rams and the Dodgers this year because they're both kind of in transition years where you're revamping for the next year and waiting for that year as opposed to going all in this year. That's a good point. I do think the Dodgers will have much more success than the yes. Rams did last yes. year. They'll have like 90 wins still. The Dodgers yeah. probably around there. Uh, and they'll be in the playoffs, whether it's a wild card or a or the division. I just think, you know, they just have that stardom where they can do that. But tell me why. This is something that's happened with the Dodgers, I think, in recent years. They hold on to guys too long. Max Muncy, you know he can't hit. And he hits stingers, but other than that, he strikes out. Noah Syndergaard, he can't pitch. How long does it take them to realize that? Why are they pitching him to today? Like, I, I don't get it. Maybe he pitches great. I don't care. His stuff isn't good anymore. He's throwing 92, and it's not moving. It's right down the middle. His off speed isn't good. Uh, for me, it's like, I don't care how much I'm paying him. Send that man, release that man. You know, like, uh, why is he out there? Like, I'd rather have a pen day with their bad pen than Cindergaard out there. That's how bad he is. He's the worst pitcher in the major leagues this year. Tell me why they want to hold on to guys like this for a long time. They can't fix him. We have already seen it. They just can't. I think it's it's a matter of just letting it ride out. Like I said, the philosophy this year, I feel like, is not the same as in years past. Like last year, they were just all in on winning a title. Let's get everybody. Let's be stacked and win a title. 
This year, it's like, okay, we'll sign J.D. Martinez and see where it goes. We'll sign Jason Hayward and see where it goes. We'll sign Noah Syndergaard and see where it goes. You know, two of the three have actually been okay. David Peralta has not been good either. They're still hanging on to him. I guess because he's a clubhouse vibes guy, he's the one that enacts the the train celebration whenever they get a, a single or something like that. So I guess you keep them for the vibes. But in terms of the pitch, I can understand the offensive part. You know, Jason Hayward, he has a great OPS. His on-base is really good. He's had the highest OPS and, I think, slugging since his rookie year. So the Dodgers have done something there. They've done something with J.D. Martinez. But in terms of Noah Syndergaard, I mean, there really isn't much else you can point to and say, okay, he'll get better at this. Because like you said, his velo's down. His stuff isn't the same as it was. You can maybe bank on his velo being high, you know, coming into the season. Like, oh, maybe he went to driveline and he got his arm better. Whatever you may say. It hasn't been that. He's low 90s. His stuff hasn't been there. He can't strike anybody out. So, you know, why do you keep him? I really don't know. He's on a one-year contract. Like, you can't, you know, it's not like he's on a multi-year deal and you got to eat the money. No, you can trade him. You can cut him. You can do whatever you need to do. They're not doing it. I, I, I don't understand the philosophy sometimes where... They wait too long to bring a guy up and they wait too long to cut a guy. It's like their, their timing with, with roster moves is a little bit iffy. Um, so it, it's it's going to be tough for the Dodgers regardless. Like I mentioned in the article, they have a lot of teams in the National League that are better this year. The Pirates, the Reds, who they just lost to, are not that bad of a team anymore. The Marlins are better. Um, I expect a lot of the teams in the NL East to compete for that wild card. And if you want home home field in the wild card, it's not going to be easy. I know it, it you know, 90 wins is probably what they get and they'll probably get in, but um, it, it won't be easy. And I want to transition really quick to the NBA because I know we have an important yeah, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask um, you. I was going to ask you who's going to yeah, win go this game. Who's going to win game three? I have Denver by five. That's I have an Denver. unpopular pick. No, but. I have Denver as well. I, I do think that, you know, after losses, Denver usually comes out and, and does pretty well. Um, you know, even on the road, they, they came out in, in game six against Phoenix and and wiped the floor with Phoenix. They went out, went out in game three in L.A., a team that was excellent at home, and they went in there and, and won as well. I expect them to do the same. I think Mike Michael Malone's words uh, in the press conference is really going to get to him. He actually laid into him pretty well. So I think that the team's going to take that to heart. They'll play better. Look, it's not going to be a blowout. I, I agree. It's not going to be a blowout. Michael Malone, yes, he called him soft. Um, essentially <laughs> called them soft against but, the Rockets you know, when they lost. Right, right, exactly. So I expect the Heat to come out, play well as well, but I expect the Nuggets to win a, a close game, a very close. By the way, guys, I, I, I do want to say one thing, and Brandon, I will allow you. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say before Rock, you go really quick. Crazy turnaround for the Heat, we know that. But what about the Nuggets when they were losing to the Rockets, being called soft just like two month, two months ago, and then they go on this historic run, looking like the best team in the NBA. Kind of crazy, in my opinion. I've never seen that like turnaround. They were losing against really bad teams just like two months ago. Oh yeah, I know, I know. They had a bad end of the season, but here they are now. They've won a lot of game threes. They've well, the best player played, in the world on the road. Yeah, so I, I expect them to play a good game. Yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll see tonight. By the way, they're doing construction in the studio. I was just going to say, I checked in with Circus Sports. The, um, Inter Milan, the soccer team, of course, that signed Messi, went from 150 to 1 odds to 25 to 1 odds. Just oh, one player. Wow. One player <laughs> changing the odds. from. A, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. 150 to 1 to 25 to 1. I'm not saying that they're going to win this year, 
But, man, it's going to be interesting. All right, Grant, you're the best. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, man, pump for uh, your three takeaways again from the Dodgers and the Angels. All the time we have for today, let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.